This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. As we do every day on this program at this time, we usher in uh, three of the best, and uh, I'm happy to welcome Colleagues at one time or another in various incarnations, Kevin Gaudet, president of Brightpoint Strategy and formerly of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. I guess we've met once or twice politically as well. Kevin, how are you? I'm living the dream. Thanks, Peter. Good to be here. Oh, living the dream indeed, and good to have you. Alyssa Freeman, a friend from Thornhill, public relations strategist, PR and pop culture media expert. How's Alyssa doing? Doing just fine. Thank you, Peter. I love that introduction, by the way. Oh, well, that's my pleasure. And uh, Rocco Rossi. Rocco, um, I've been watching your picture out of Turkey, so I guess you're recently back. CEO of Ontario Chamber of Commerce, former CEO of Prostate Cancer Canada, uh, and former mayoralty candidate once upon a time. How are you? And currently president of the Shermanator fan club. Well, I'll take that. <laughs> Any day of the week. No, You've doing, always doing been great. that. Just got back from, uh, from Istanbul Sunday night, and for all the listeners out there, this has got to be on your bucket list. It is a magical um, city filled with history, amazing people, great food. And, Spectacular. Uh, it is just gorgeous. It is spectacular. I was there about two years ago, and I won't take too much time, but I, I swore that I would memorize the name of a restaurant where I got the best fish I've ever eaten, Hisari Rumeli Ischele. I learned it, and it'll always be there, and if I get back to Istanbul, that's where I will eat fish. Did you that's go to Marco? There you go. <laughs> Rocco, did you go there? I, I missed out on that one. <laughs> These are topics worthy of discussion. Look, um, Alyssa, let's get serious for a second here. Alyssa, you actually, instead of just coming in to discuss topics that I threw at you, decided that uh, you would add a topic to the list yourself, and earlier in the day got in touch with us. And I might say, uh, to those of you who haven't been uh, watching the news, in the United States, this is leading it all day today. Because in the United States, I'm not suggesting that in Canada, we don't take seriously our kids' educations and notably post-secondary educations. But if you want to talk about a rite of passage, you talk to American parents about getting their kids, they never call it university, into college and picking the best possible school and being able to afford it and saving for it and all the rest of it. Well, in the States today, what they're talking about is a scheme. And uh, it seems that federal prosecutors in Boston have charged uh, a fellow by the name of William Singer with running a $25 million racketeering scheme that served a roster of clients that included Hollywood actors. You'd recognize names like Felicity Huffman uh, and Lori Loughlin. Uh, and they were among 50 people charged by uh, these U.S. prosecutors uh, today in a scheme that would help wealthy people cheat their kids' ways into elite universities like Yale and Harvard and Stanford. That, to me, is unbelievable. Well, maybe it maybe it's not so unbelievable, but it just boggles the mind what people will do. And so you've got people of the uh, stature of a Felicity Huffman actually charged Alyssa. 
You know, it's really amazing. It takes helicopter parenting to a new high, yet it takes the college admission process to a new low. You know, there isn't a parent uh, that hasn't gone through uh, the process of getting their kid into school. And it's nerve-wracking on any level. I think it might even be more nerve-wracking in the U.S. because I think it's just that much more of an administrative nightmare, plus you're never sure what they're looking for. So here is a guy who exploits a problem, exploits a worry. And for many parents, you know, the school that their kid gets into is a direct reflection on their type of parenting. So, you know, the fact that parents are sending their kids to certain test centers, having someone else write their tests, or having their answers all corrected is unbelievable. But the fact of the matter is, is that when you get your kid into that university under false pretenses, they're not going to be able to thrive because they weren't supposed to be there academically in the first place. Probably not. And let me go to you, Kevin. Uh, As Alyssa said, prosecutors said this operation actually arranged for fake testers to take college admissions exams in place of his client's children, and they bribed coaches to give admission slots meant uh, for recruited athletes even if there was no athletic ability whatsoever on the part of the applicants. Is that believable? Uh, clearly. Corruption so widespread through the whole educational value chain down there is, is and money obviously buys access to anything. Um, I, I just shake... Money talks I, I, and BS walks, well, they clearly, say. I, I only disagree with Alyssa in the sense that I think increasingly, unfortunately, universities aren't that ha- difficult to get through, that they're... They're economically motivated to not fail students. It's almost like a business proposition. So once you're in, you're all things being equal. Uh, you got to show up, I guess. Well, maybe not. I don't know. I guess you can buy your way through. Um, I guess that's the thing. You get uh, money gets gets you into Yale. Money gets you out of Yale. And I, I, once you've once you've got the, that on your resume, I guess these rich stars, their their kids get. I don't know some kind of swanky job. And if you have a and if you have a piece of paper on the wall that says Yale University, uh, you've basically got a ticket to uh, huge money and success. Not all the time, but most of the time, Rocco. Well, look at lest we get too um, uh, you know happy and content with ourselves during the university year. You walk down St. George, and uh, on the uh, post you'll see ads for people who will write essays for you. So uh, it's it's much smaller scale. Uh, it's not maybe uh, movie stars and twenty five million dollars, but um, people have been working the system for a long time in all kinds of uh, of places, which is not to excuse it, because at the end of the day, people are going to have to uh, face the cold reality of the world and. Uh, and then be judged on their ability to actually get things done as opposed to what the piece of paper on the wall may or may not say. And I, guess, words, we, I guess we know where SNC Lavin can recruit their future employees from. We're going to stay God. away from that today. <laughs> I, I, honest to God, you, it just says to me, I guess you can buy anything, but ultimately getting in the door doesn't guarantee that you ever get out. And I think we've all three of us, or all three of you and and myself agree on that. Let me jump to uh, something that's dominated today's discussion uh, on the program and I think outside as well. And that is the fact that the Education Ministry of the Province of Ontario is mandating for the uh, coming uh, school year, 2019-2020, that cell phones not have a place in the classroom by directive. Now, some schools have already 
already done that, but they're talking about across the board, except where it plays into the academia uh, aspect of it. In other words, if uh, you're doing something where you're going to have to have encyclopedic knowledge, which is accessible these days readily from a smartphone, yeah, you can have it with you, but uh, the whole idea of carrying it with you, being able to surreptitiously put it on your knee behind where the desk appears and, uh, and text, that's going away. How do we see this, Alyssa? I'm sort of interested in how you know where they're hiding the cell phones, Peter, but I'll, I'll leave that. I, you know, I'm thinking of notes when I was a kid, you know. <laughs> it probably hasn't changed. You know, I find this a really weird one, and I just find this, maybe this is a way to change the channel or to get a new headline onto the front page. That I think that most teachers in most schools probably have their own rules as to cell phone use. Some of them have everybody walk up to the class and pop them in. Uh, do we really need sort of a wide sweeping legislation to say, no, you're not allowed your cell phone in the classroom? I have to tell you that I think that most teachers in most schools probably have this under control, and I find this a little bit high-handed. Okay, let's go over to Kevin. You know, it's funny because I'm, I'm normally fairly libertarian-minded and, and freedom-loving, but, uh, but I'm sympathetic to this announcement. I've, uh, I've got one kid who just went into university and two who are in grade school, and I'm astonished when I text them expecting I'll get a text, say, during lunch or after school when I get an immediate response and I realize my kids uh, are on their phones in the middle of the day in class. I'm not convinced we as a society have a grip on the impacts of smartphones broadly, uh, only one example of which is the problems in schools. Uh, so I, I actually kind of like this one. It's funny that you bring that up, and I'll, and I'll turn to Rocco on this. I was talking, and you may have heard it on uh, your way in or sitting outside the studio. Um, I was talking to Ryan Bird, who uh, runs the communications end of the TDSB earlier this hour, and um, I, I kind of uh, postulated that some of this has to do with the fact that smartphones in the hands of uh, kids ranging particularly to adolescents are a relatively new phenomenon, and they're they're almost as if they were joined at the hip on the one hand. On the other hand, they represent great technology. And younger kids, the ones who are entering school now, are being born into it. And I would think that the rules of the game, at least from the parental end and certainly from the school end, would take hold and that we're going to find ourselves extricated from this should I or shouldn't I, do I or don't I situation that we're in now. Well, technology is uh, is a thing that we've wrestled with for a long time. I remember, and I'm I'm aging myself for sure. But your first abacus. Yeah, I, I remember. <laughs> I remember when the first programmable calculator <laughs> okay. came in, oh, and okay. so we weren't allowed. We, you know, we were using slide rules, one step above the abacus, <laughs> and this fellow came in with a programmable um, uh, calculator, which yeah, they obviously were only three hundred bucks too, right? Which was absolutely, uh, absolutely verboten. But I think of, I think of my um, my son's career in 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 school because he came in at a time when they started to require that all of the essays be. Um, submitted electronically and 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 printed out so it had to be typed and but then once it came to exam time they had to write by hand and literally my son didn't have the 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 strength in his hands because they weren't used to writing they were typing it do they teach cursive writing yeah no they don't finish couldn't finish the exam, couldn't finish the exam because he literally couldn't write fast enough. So we have to be careful. And if you're going to go the technology route and you made the point, you know, if you're using the smartphone for part of, of the teaching environment, 
you, you have to pick your spots and you have to be consistent with how you're going to use or not use technology in the classroom. Well, you know, there, this is a new question every single day. But one thing's for sure, if you go to university, and I'm talking about uh, those of you who go to university, not illicitly, but legitimately, <laughs> you have to submit everything in Microsoft Word. So the idea of writing things out by hand, nobody's going to read it. There well, you go. Yeah, there I, you go. I'll we'll, all be writing, we'll all be writing doctor's prescrip prescriptions. That's right, and unreadable except by pharmacists. <laughs> all right, I'm going to take a break and, uh, and have you three just stand by. And when we come back, uh, give your, uh, your head a, a think about what you've read on Boeing 737 MAX 8s because we're going to talk about it. That's right here on Topics Worthy of Discussion. Peter Sherman for Oakley on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.